Thanks, Nat. Brilliant. As Natalie said, my name's Paul. I'm one of the pastors here um, at Kings. I have the privilege of leading the eldership team. It's great to be back together in... Uh, <coughs> oh, dear. <coughs> I'm not overcome with emotion. It's just, uh, right, sore throat. Anyway, isn't it great being back together for a sort of Sunday? We know not. I mean, it was good meeting at 9.15 and 11.15 and all of that, but I, I, I'm just really pleased to be back together um, yeah, on a Sunday uh, at the start of the year, it's absolutely brilliant. We're going to be looking at the whole subject of uh, stepping into 2020 um, and how do we step into the new year well. Um, and uh, uh, I felt God really has been stirring me um, in, in this area um, over probably the last sort of five, six weeks. If I'm honest, I don't feel that it's sort of finished. I don't think I've come to a final place on it. Um, but I do know God is starting to stir me personally and that I'm on a journey with it. I, I feel very much um, big L plates on me in this particular area. Um, and as we get into it, I think you're sort of, uh, um, thank you, Natalie, you'll understand and see uh, why, why I'm saying that. Um, I also just want to start by saying at the beginning of uh, 2020 as well, I just want to say uh, what a privilege it is to uh, serve you as a church. Um, I, you know, genuinely feel that it is such a privilege to serve you in that way. I know that the other elders would say the same um, as well. Um, I love your passion for Jesus. I love uh, your love for one another and the way you express that. Um, I'm amazed at your immense amounts of serving energy that are just displayed in so many different ways, whether it was in the food bank on the run up to Christmas or just in even doing two meetings here at the Hastings venue and pulling that off. It's, it's just incredible your willingness just to dive in and serve. And I, I just want to say thank you, genuinely thank you, and uh, just for the privilege of serving you um, as an elder. As I was thinking about stepping into 2020, I thought, well, you know, where, where do we start where, where do we look? And I, I did feel prompted that we should go back to basics. We should go back to those words that Jesus said at the very beginning when he was calling his first disciples and spend a little bit of time looking at that. Because although for many, many of us they will be very familiar, I think there's something fresh for us today. I think there's something fresh for us at the start um, of this year. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you join me by turning to Matthew chapter 4. And we're going to spend a bit of time in Matthew chapter 4, um, verses 18 to 20. But then we're going to go into Romans chapter 10. Because I know we were looking in Romans at the end of last term. And I'm sure you're missing it over the Christmas season. So I thought we'd go back in and we'll uh, have a look at something there. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 uh, through to 20. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers. Simon, who was called Peter. And Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and they followed him. Really familiar Bible verses. Um, 
something that we would know very, very well. The the similar story occurs in all of the Gospels. Sometimes it's slightly different background in there. But here we see Jesus walking along by the Sea of Galilee. There's these two brothers that he knows a bit already. They've already come in contact with Jesus. And he makes this rather big call on them. He says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. And he says, and I will make you fishers of men. And at the start of 2020, I thought it would be good just to think again, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, first and foremost, it means that we are followers of Jesus. Strip away all of the complication, strip away all the technical words and the theology and everything else. First and foremost for us, we are followers of Jesus Christ. We are those that follow him. And if I were to ask you at the start of 2020, what does it look like to follow Jesus? Laura, could we put the next slide up? That's it. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What would be your top three things you would put in there? Maybe just for a moment, actually, why don't you, with the person next to you right now, have a quick conversation. So you're a follower of Jesus here today. What three things would you put in there? What does a follower of Jesus look like? What do they do? What were the top three things you'd put in there? Quickly, have a turn to the person next to you, have a conversation. I don't know, maybe, maybe a bit of prayer in there? Any of you thought that prayer should be in there? Yep, brilliant, excellent. What about being committed to a local church? Yep, a few of you, Glenn, you're doing well. Two out of two there. Keep going, well done. Um, being a worshipper, what do you reckon? Some of you went, some of you went for that. Um, involved in discipleship, maybe discipling others or being discipled yourself. Any of you sort of mentioned that discipleship word there? That wasn't quite so popular. We'll have to work on that this year. Serving. Getting involved, playing your part. Any of you? Maybe you just lost enthusiasm. That's all right. Um, What about fellowship? Connecting with one another, that sort of Christian word of doing relationship with one another deeply. Biblical understanding. Did the Bible appear in any of your discussions? A few of you tentative hands going up there. Um, Obedience. Any of you put obedience in there? What well I mean, brilliant, excellent. What about being filled with the Holy Spirit? Uh, okay, a bit more training needed. Anyway, it's interesting. I mean, I, I would have put all of those things in there, and there's probably a whole load more of different things when you're thinking, what does it look like to follow Jesus? But actually, Jesus puts something straight after that statement. He says, come follow me and and I will make you fishers of men. And it's interesting, the only bit of description that he brings when he's calling these first couple of men to come and follow him is that actually, I'm going to make you into someone that fishes for men, not fish anymore. And I find that evangelism, mission, are right in there at that initial call of these two disciples, Peter and Andrew, I find it very, very provoking. For years, Peter and Andrew have been catching fish. They were experts in it. They understood the Sea of Galilee. They understood the fish that they were catching. They understood the nets that they used. They they, they knew all of that stuff. And Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to make you experts at catching people for me. 
I'm going to equip you and help you to do that really, really well. And I suppose, like I say, over the last six weeks, I've been really provoked because I would have focused on all those other things that I said when it said to coming about following Jesus. But maybe mission, maybe reaching out would have been a lot further down that list. Would that have been true for any of you? Where maybe mission is a bit further down that list. Mission is that thing that the enthusiastic ones do. Or it's the thing that the loud ones do. Or it's it's those that are confident and have got a lot to say. that's, That's what they do, but I'm not wired that way. So I don't think that's part of my following Jesus, I, I, don't, I don't think the Bible gives us that get-out clause. It's, it's, it's linked right there. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I'm going to teach you to talk about me. I'm going to teach you to catch men. And, and I suppose if I'm honest, as I've been thinking and praying about it, I think, wow, Paul, your life has drifted quite a long way from that original call. I'm... I'm quite tied up in Christian things, but I'm not that effective. I don't give that much of my attention or my time to reaching other people and telling them about Jesus. I I don't do as much as I am being provoked to think that I should be doing. How about for some of you guys here today? Jesus says to you, come follow me. Firstly, are you following him? And I will make you fishers of men. So, so what does it look like to catch people? What does it look like to fish for people? And this is where we're going to move to the Romans passage. And I think there are two aspects to it. I think there's the one is the gospel, and the second part is the going. So again, if you've got your Bibles, why don't you just turn with me to Romans chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 8 through to 13. And this is what the Apostle Paul says as you're turning to it, I'll start reading. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Paul Paul says, you know, this, this gospel, you don't have to go down to the depths. You don't need to climb to the highest heavens. No, it is near you. And this is what it is. I mean, these are outstanding words. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's amazing. No mountains to climb, no oceans to swim, no level of holiness to achieve if you believe in your heart. I'll come down and join you down here so I can read it this way. If you conf- Oh, that won't work. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Um, On to the next slide, please, Laura. For Scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's it's an incredible, incredible promise, isn't it? 
I mean, you've got all of the depths of what is spoken about in Romans, and we've been looking at that last term. All the, the theological truths and all of that. And then Paul gets this point, and he gets really, really practical on what do you need to do to become a Christian? What do you need to do to follow Jesus? You need to believe in your heart. You need to believe what the Bible teaches about Jesus, his death and his resurrection. You need to believe the good news about Jesus. That's what gospel means. And you are justified. You are declared that you are not a sinner, but righteous in God's sight. So you need to believe something in your heart. It's, it's something that God starts. We spoke about it last term. God, God sort of ignites something in our hearts so we can believe. But then we need to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. I mean, we've been, we've been singing it this morning, but that, that personal confession an individual makes to say, Jesus, you are King. You are God. With our mouths we confess and are saved. Something that we verbalise, something that brings out. Our, our words we know, don't they, are, are very, very powerful. They can do great blessing to others, they can do great harm to others, but they have, they have uh, a spiritual weight as well. As we confess stuff, it, it does something spiritually as well, in the spiritual realm. And it says, and you will be saved. Um, and I know, I know these are very much basics and, and, and you're thinking, well, we, we know this. But I suppose at the start of 2020, I want you to marvel again at the gospel and how free and accessible it is. It's an open invitation to anyone. Because belief isn't the property of the rich, the educated or the upper classes. Although the rich, the educated and the upper classes can come. But, but you don't have to be at a certain level to do something in that way. Belief and confession are possible for the youngest. I mean, it was a joy in Becks Hill last term where a number of children came to know Jesus. And, and they did. Because they believed in their hearts and they confessed with their mouths that Jesus is Lord. The poorest, the most broken in society can come. As I said earlier, you don't need to compete a challenge attain a certain level of understanding, pass an exam, or earn enough good points. Some people don't come to Jesus because they don't think they're good enough. That's, that's not right, is it? Because anyone can come. Belief and confession can be the last actions of the heart and words of the mouth on someone's deathbed and they won't after that do anything don't do anything good or bad they are saved do you believe that you believe that to be, that's the power that's the access point these two little things confession and belief two keys in the lock but they then open the door to this incredible blessing of god it's amazing and although amazingly simple, extremely costly. You see, where Paul wrote to the church in Rome, to the Jewish Christians, they knew that if they confessed Jesus to be Lord, that would be blasphemy. Because there is only one God, and Jesus, that carpenter from Nazareth, is not is not God. So for someone who is Jewish to confess Jesus as Lord would, 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 would 
be very, very costly. For, for a Roman citizen, it would be treason because, because Caesar, Caesar is king. He is Lord. And, and if you're confessing Jesus is Lord and Caesar is not, that would be treasonous. That would be dangerous. One of the early church fathers, Polycarp, was martyred because he wouldn't confess Caesar as Lord. He was burned at the stake. And so although this confession about who Christ is is incredibly simple, it is also extremely costly. And although in some ways we don't pay the cost in the same way that maybe a Jewish Christian would or a Roman Christian would 2,000 years ago, actually Jesus in that confession is asking for all of you. Confessing him as the Lord of your life. I wonder if in our day and in our culture, when we confess Jesus as Lord, what we are really saying is, Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. I am no longer Lord of my life. I'm no longer the king of my life. I don't get to define the rules or dictate how it's going to work but God does. And that means over a period of time, we strip off things that we know don't line up with what God says. And we put on things that we know does. Why? Because we're following Jesus. You can't follow Jesus' path and your own path at the same time. You need to make a choice. And even at the start of 2020, for some of us, actually, that's we are Christians, we've been following him for a while, but actually, even now, you're at this sort of crossroads and you're wondering, am I going to follow Jesus' way or am I going to go the way that the world says is right? It's a faith statement saying, no, I'm choosing you again, God. I'm going your way again. And then this little passage finishes with this incredible statement, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Now, now the reason I'm doing this is because we carry the gospel, this, this hope that has the power to change an individual's life, to take them from uh, darkness to light, from death to life, from hopelessness to hope, we, we have this within us. We know this Jesus, whom they need to believe upon and confess with their mouths. This amazing uh, hymn, To God Be the Glory, just... I'll just read these words out. I hope you uh, just, just, they're brilliant. Oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of blood. To every believer, the promise of God. The vilest offender who truly believes. That moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Wow. Belief and confession in Jesus Christ as Lord, and you will be, you will be saved. It's there. It's not some secret mystery hidden in the highest heavens or hidden in the depths of the ocean. It is there. It is in our hearts. It is in our mouths. Every day we carry it. Every day it is there with us, this wonderful truth about who Jesus is and what he has done. The gospel is amazing. And I know you agree with me. It's not expressed on the outside, but I can tell on the inside your hearts are leaping for joy um, with what it is. That, you know, the, the, and, and we've received it, or many of us have. And if you don't know Jesus today, 
it is as simple as I'm describing it. As costly as well, if you believe in your heart that Jesus died for you and rose again, if you confess him to be Lord of your life, you will be saved. And in a moment, you are born again, united with Christ. The hope of God flooding you. Something that you do in response to this amazing work of God's grace. So this whole catching people thing, there's the gospel, but there's also the go. If we carry on reading in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. How, how then will they call on him, on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him whom they've never heard And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, I think sometimes the Apostle Paul just puts things in an awkward order to make it difficult for people to have to preach. Um, so, So basically, he puts this in a reverse order. And what he's saying is this. You can't call out to Jesus if you don't believe in him in your heart. And you can't believe in him in your heart if you haven't heard the gospel. And you can't hear the gospel unless someone tells you, and they won't tell you unless they know that they are sent. That's basically what Paul is saying in this passage. To reverse it round the other way is this. We are sent in order to talk about Jesus so that people can hear which ignites belief in their hearts, leading them to call out to God and they are saved. That's what we're called to do. Now, probably in this passage, the Apostle Paul is talking about apostles and he uses this word preach on a number of occasions in there. I think, unless you're particularly confident, I would scrub that out because I think most of you would feel unqualified to preach about Jesus. But, but I know because I've seen you that you're all very, very good at talking. I only need to go out in the coffee area at the end of the meeting to see how good you are at talking. And I love the fact that probably for the best part of an hour after the meeting, you will be there chatting to one another. Not all of you find it so easy, but but a lot of you are very good at it. I think you must have masters in it or a doctorate in, in communication and talking. I'm sure you do. But we're sent. We're sent to talk about Jesus. I know some of you would feel quite intimidated by that word preach and you think, no, no, there's no way I can preach about Jesus. I mean, to be honest, my friends have got so many many problems with Christianity, I wouldn't know where to start in answering them. Or or when they start asking questions about suffering, I I don't know, I'm not equipped to answer those, so I just don't go there. Can, can Can I encourage you, don't worry about answering all that stuff, just talk about Jesus. In John chapter 9, there was this blind man, this man who was born blind, and he was blind, I think, for 37 years, and then he met Jesus, and Jesus healed him in a moment. I mean, I don't know, what can you imagine what that would be like? Not to have been out of sea for 37 years, and then in a moment, your eyes open, and you can see for the first time. The Pharisees, religious leaders, the scribes, they don't like it. I think it, it might have been done on a Sabbath, or Jesus spoke about forgiving sin. Anyway, they got caught up on that. 
and they questioned this man who had been born blind and, and been healed um, and gave him a really hard time. Then they gave his parents a hard time and they said, well, look, he's old enough, he can answer for himself, we're not going to talk to you. So they drag him back in. And this guy, I don't think he really knows what to say, so this is how he answers some very aggressive questioning. He says, whether this Jesus is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, though, I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. And in the end, all this guy did was speak about what Jesus had done for him. Now, I don't have a dramatic healing testimony about what, you know, Jesus opening my eyes after 37 years of blindness, but I do have a story of what Jesus has done for me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, so do you. Possibly the thing we struggle with is to articulate it. And I, I, I just want to encourage you, even just now for a moment, all we need to do, we need to know what Jesus has done for us, put it into some simple sentences, and then as opportunity arises, tell people what Jesus has done for us. I think when you read through Acts, the story of the early church, I think that's what they did. They went from house to house telling people what Jesus had done for them. They might have explained some theology and they might have answered some big questions and stuff like that. But, but I think at the heart of it, they said, I've met this Jesus and this is what he did for me. And like I say, as I've been preparing this and thinking about it, I've, I've been wondering, so why don't I do it more? I, I believe the gospel message. I believe it to be true. I know that Jesus has risen from the dead. I know that I am saved. I, I, I know that I've been forgiven my sin. I can count various blessings that he's done for me over many, many years. I, God's walked with me faithfully for over 35 years. I, I know I can rely on him. So why isn't there a greater urgency in me to talk about Jesus? Why am I not more passionate to tell people about him? And for me, I came up with three reasons why I don't. Some of them may be the same for you. Um, they may not. I think fear. It's funny, isn't it? I, was, I, was, uh, I find it easier to talk in front of you, hundreds of people, than maybe talk to the taxi person I'm sat next to. I'm pushing out my comfort zone just to talk about, at the right time, not in an odd way, at the right time, what Jesus has done for me. That might not be an issue for some of you. I think another issue for me is busyness. I, I so fill my diary with lots and lots of good stuff that it's not I don't have the time, I don't know if I've got the emotional capacity to give it the time and the energy that I should. Maybe I'm distracted with other stuff. And lastly for me, and, and I know for most of you you're not caught in this problem, I'm in a little bit of a Christian bubble. I, I, I love it. I love serving the church. I love working for the church. But, but one of the downsides is that, that there just aren't so many non-Christians in my everyday interactions. And I, I, I suppose, like I said, big L plates on the back. I'm learning. I, I want to grow in this. I want to position myself in other places where I can talk to people and... 
express something of what Jesus has done for me. There may be some other reasons why you don't do it. You just don't think about it. You are so busy doing what you're doing that you just don't, you don't have the time to think that way. Maybe in your, your employment or where you are, you're not allowed to. You're just not allowed to talk about Jesus. That's, that's tough. Or maybe you just don't think you've got anything to say. Don't feel that you've got the words. I just really want to encourage you to spend some time at the start of 2020 thinking about how can you overcome whatever the obstacles are that are stopping you talking about Jesus. Because although, although angels do appear and he does do some miraculous stuff, God does in supernatural ways, his primary way for Hastings and Bexhill and Battle and Rye to be reached with the gospel is through me and you. And just talking about what Jesus has done. And then it says this, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Now, I have never been told I've got beautiful feet before. I've been told by my lovely wife that they're crusty, hairy, sometimes dirty and occasionally smelly, but never beautiful. Now, if you are suffering, if your feet have got low self-esteem, like mine, and you want to change that, just start preaching the gospel and they automatically become beautiful, okay? So if you want some beautiful feet, um, but it is, it's, it's, it's what, you know, what's the Bible saying? What, what, how brilliant it is. When people just start talking about how good God is. And I suppose in some ways as, as, as I'm drawing this to a close and I'll just get into a little bit of application at the end, although I've already been doing that a bit. I suppose I just wanted to remind you one of the gospel, the simplicity of it. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart in who Jesus is, it says you will be saved. And, and do you, do you think, I don't know, do you think you could explain the basics of who Jesus is and why he came? I think you probably could. And do you think you could encourage someone and walk through with them so that, you know, you can talk about, well, what, do they believe that in their heart and how can they confess this with their mouth? I think, I think most of us would feel, no, I, I could give that a go. And then it's a matter of not just gospel, but going as well. So as we close... As we start this year, I'd love you just to take some time to consider one of these following things. Firstly, maybe just spend a little bit of time thinking about what Jesus has done for you. Just remember. Ask God to remind you if you can't remember. Just some of the differences he's made to your life. See if you can write them down in a couple of sentences. Not so you read them out to people, but it just helps you to articulate it. And then just look for opportunities over the first few weeks of the year to tell people who don't know him how good God is. Second thing you could possibly do is, you know, what would it look like for you this year if you made a personal prayerful plan to go for one? Just, just one. Maybe, maybe ask for God to lay someone on your heart who doesn't know Jesus. And, and, and don't, don't, don't bash them around with the gospel in that sense. Just be kind. Express something of the kindness of God and when opportunities arise, talk about what Jesus has done in your life. I think when you, were, when you came in, you were given mission cards. 
Is that right? Alpha and mission? Well, mission card, on one side, there's just a whole list of different things that, that we can do. On the other side, there's the opportunity to write three people's names down. Why, why not start the year? You could, write, you could go for the one, or you could write three people's names down. Just, just write their names down and say, actually, I'm going to pray for them every day. I'm going to pray for God's blessing on them every single day. We've got Alpha coming up in three weeks' time. Maybe just say, you know what? I'm going to pray for an opportunity to invite someone to Alpha this year. I don't know if they're going to say no, say no or yes. That's, that's not in our hands, but, but we could ask, couldn't we? We could invite. Now, I don't know if I believe this statistic or not. Does anyone like statistics here? Some of you like them? Okay. But the person who told me had a trustworthy face, okay? So I'm assuming it must be true. But, and this was it. 13%, 13% of people in a Western culture will respond positively to the gospel after one conversation. That's quite high, isn't it? Now, I choose to believe it's true. So that basically means more than one in ten, if you talk to them about Jesus, will respond positively to the message of the gospel if you tell them. So if each of you just told one person, one different person each day, and I'm not proposing you do it, at the end of 10 or 11 days, you probably will have had at least one or two positive conversations in that time. We are salt and light to the world. We are here as a city on a hill. We are here to make a difference to those around us. Um, if you're here as a school teacher, yes, you're here as a school teacher to bring glory to God, but, but you also carry the seed of the gospel within you to make a difference in your school place. It's the same if you're in, in healthcare or if you're in finance or business or if you're part of a running group or with mums outside the gate. Do what you do, but remember you're here reflecting something of who Jesus is and what he's about. Why don't we stand um, as we close? Just love to pray for you. If you feel comfortable to, could you just, uh, just close your hands, raise your... No, close your hands. Start of the year. <laughs> could you close your eyes and raise your hands if you feel comfortable to? Lord, I do thank you so much for the simplicity and power of the gospel. I thank you for hundreds in, of us in this room. There was a point when we believed in our hearts and we confessed with our mouths and we were wonderfully, and, uh, wonderfully transformed, we were saved. I thank you, it's a, a promise that holds true for all, any who call on the name of the Lord. I just pray at the start of 2020, Lord, just for a fresh confidence in the gospel for us as a community of people. I ask you, Holy Spirit, for fresh boldness to talk about what you have done in our lives. Lord, I pray as we go out, we would go out with just a fresh um, determination, a fresh desire to honour and glorify your name in whatever opportunities you give us, whatever situations we find ourselves in. Oh, Lord God, would you fill us again with your Holy Spirit? We ask for that in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus... 
up until this point you haven't believed in your heart, you've not confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, don't leave this place without coming to find out more about what it means to follow Jesus. Paul's going to be at the front. Come and ask him. Don't leave this place. Or talk to the person that brought you along. Find out more about what it is to be a follower of Jesus. We're going to finish it up there. Tea and coffee is served out in coffee box. Um, Don't rush off. Do enjoy chatting to one another. And uh, we will see you at the prayer meetings this week. God bless.